1: The Minnesota Vikings have been around since 1961. And we just want them to win a damn Super Bowl before we die. Welcome to Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily
2: and Score North.
0: What's going on, everybody? This is before we die on Purple Daily and Score North. I'm Jesse Pierce. He's Thor Nyström. Joining us, we got the Dex in the house. What's going on, Dex? Hi, guys. Thanks for filling in for Ross, who was up watching CFL Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's his his thing. I'm excited for him to recap all that on on Monday. Are you guys see it, Dex? Are you a CFL? Guy? I like
2: I like to make CFL predictions on. Write that down for Purple Daily during the off season. Much to Judd Zolgad's and some of the listeners' chagrin. Um, But my, my take on that is I'm not watching a ton of CFL. I will turn it on every once in a while. But the to, to bring you like behind the scenes of write that down, like Judd loves to make a prediction in August of 2022 about like May of 2024. So I don't like to get burned of a prediction that I like made a year and a half in advance. So I'm trying to like make as many predictions in the short term. Whether they don't work out for me or not, as long as they're coming off the board, I'm cool with that. So that's why I do CFL. But I'm more surprised Ross Brendel was not like bragging about Dateline or uh, any other news talk that he loves to watch and stuff. So it's very much yeah. up Ross's alley to watch all that stuff.
0: You know, that's all right. that That'll happen. It's, uh, it's fun. It's great having you on here. We've got Vikings Talk. As always, we are here to bring you the Vikings news. It's preseason weekend, right? We'll call it the weekend. It's Thursday. I'm not drinking a White Claw for those who might see my energy drink. Advertisements don't come free, so I won't tell you what it is. But uh, <laughs> let's dive into it. Are we excited about preseason football returning? Are we excited to see the Purple on Sunday at 325 in Las Vegas?
1: We're so excited. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We get to see him on the field. He
0: sounded I, excited, Thor.
1: I am. I am super excited. The one thing I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this more later on, but I'm I'm curious to see how much of the the new schemes we're going to see. Um, Cause typically Sean McVay teams were pretty vanilla in the preseason. So I'm curious to see what sort of, you know, gadget plays, you know, so, like stuff, different formations, or if, if it's going to be more on the, the vanilla side, but I, I can't wait to see the new schemes.
0: You know, I would agree. And what are we going to look at? I mean, obviously, offense is is going to be the big thing. How are they moving? What does this new offense look like? And that's going to be what all are we judging from that offense come Sunday? Because, again, it's the first preseason game um, and everybody's excited to see what Kevin O'Connell is going to bring. But what in particular, what spots are you really going to be looking at Thor?
1: Well, you, you know football is like an intrinsically connected sport. You know, one guy's performance is tied to the next guy, tied to the next guy, et cetera. But I think in preseason, what you're watching for it's to try to uncouple that, and you're watching the individual players to see if if they you know if they're moving up or if they're in a, a better role, stuff like that. Um, but you you know you're looking for the the individual performances. I don't know how much we're going to see the starters. Um, going back to to McVeigh with the Rams, McVay has very rarely played his starters in preseason like not at all and he doesn't even play his top backups very much so i i think you know vikings fans might want to prepare to see it you know more of the second third fourth stringers but that's fine too right like we, we want to see those guys and, and, and see how the rookies are doing and, and some of those those guys that they've picked up so um yeah and and you know i mean we've heard this there's a lot of competition going on in this camp right now so it'll be interesting to see who, who's differentiating themselves once you know once the lights are on
0: Right. The Minnesota Vikings releasing their depth chart earlier this week. Jesse Davis wins that right guard position over at Ingram, who we had talked about on Monday is having a very great camp, but it looks like O'Connell's going with experience over Ingram. But I don't think Jesse Davis can be like, yep, this is my spot because Ingram's chomping at the bit.
1: A thousand percent. Yeah. And you know, it's, you know, it's your first depth chart, right? So it's just sort of like handicapping it going forward. But um, that's one of those jobs that is still not completely decided, you know. Like you're you're saying, and um, you know Ingram is still very much in that. He's been, you know, in, you know this isn't just Ingram and some other guys too, but he's had his good moments in camp and he's had his his bad moments in camp. I think probably Jesse Davis is giving them more consistency right now, um, but when you think about like the season at large, and once you get into November, December, who's going to be your best option there? Um, you'd love to see Ingram start to turn it on here in the last, you know, two, three weeks leading up to the season, potentially steal that job. Cause that would allow Jesse Davis to be that swing backup. We've been talking about where he can back up four different positions, but, um, you know, if, if he gives them the better shot early in the season, he's certainly going to be playing with the Packers, you know, opening up, you know, Vikings opening up against the Packers.
0: Right. Sticking with the interior old lineman. Um, Garrett Bradbury. We gotta mention it one more time. <laughs> I want to get your take, Thor, on Josh Sokol. What are your thoughts on him? Do you think he has any chance on kind of busting through? Because as we've seen and as we know, Garrett Bradbury isn't a guy that uh, Vikings fans or even maybe staff is uh, too too high up on.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know about Sokol, but the you know, the fact that they're giving other guys shots, I, I think is the important thing there. Um Arif had had mentioned in his most recent dispatch for the athletic that the the other two guys that are being given uh, you know significant looks with as far as the reps of the first and second team at center it's Reed and then Schlottman. Um so I, I think that's the the three headed race there um, Ar- Arif mentioned that it, it you know right now it would be Reed that there what you know that would be the other main competition for Bradbury um, he uh, Reed had some botch snaps you know recently um, but you know Schlottman has two. So like what they're getting from Bradbury now, you know, interestingly, it's it's sort of like the the new staff is getting consistency from them. You you're not seeing the fumbled snaps and stuff like that. But but Kevin O'Connell did come out and say we really like what what we're seeing from Bradbury as a run blocker, which makes sense because they're they're a heavy zone blocking team. And like we we talked about in the last episode, Bradbury's best thing is being is, it's the movement. It's being able mm-hmm. to hit the outside shoulder of a guy in zone. It's being able to go out to the second level, block a linebacker. So that's not surprising. He is a very good fit for O'Connell's system as a run blocker. But O'Connell also mentioned that the pass pro is an issue right now, and it's it's been an uh, an issue the past couple of years, and it's it's with power, um, you know. And sometimes he can get crossed up by by moves too, better than or more often than you would think based on his movement. Right. But but the big the biggest thing is is the power thing, and you see him sort of sitting back on it, waiting for it, you know, like when it's a pass play, back on his heels because he's getting ready to to have to anchor, you know, you, you're sort of like um, loading up a little bit more because you know that you struggle with it. And that might be why he gets his feet tied up sometimes with the moves. But um, they're working on his pass protection. And if, if he can at least be passable there, no pun intended, he he's probably going to win that starting job.
0: You know, and they haven't named a true QB2. Again, it's early. It's the first preseason game. Is that surprising at all? Because for me, I thought Kellerman probably had, had solidified the deal, but he's still duking it out with Sean Mannion.
1: Yeah, I, it's it's not a surprise. No, um, I, I I think if the Vikings had their druthers, uh, Kellen Mond would be the backup. Um, but the the problem is he just hasn't developed enough. Right. You know we we've we've heard. You know, I mean, he was involved with some of those botch snaps. I, I don't know if it was on the center. If it, if it's, if it's on him, he's also been making some poor decisions in camp. You've seen interceptions, stuff like that. Um, you've also seen a couple, you know, he's had a couple of good plays. There was the one circulating on Twitter this, you know, over the past couple of days is sort of rolling out to the left. And then he, he hit, uh, I think it was Osborne deep. He, he had a strike to my, I forget the receiver on the other end. Um, but, you know, he's had a couple of flash plays, but they're interspersed with these, these spells of inconsistency. Um, and, and we'll see, you know, what, what ends up happening there. The coaching staff's obviously working with him. They know what they got in Sean Mannion. Mannion already knows that system and, you know, consistent you know he he at least he brings consistency inside the building uh you know as we've seen him on in his brief spurts on the field it's not always doesn't always carry that over to the field um I, I would assume that that Sean Mannion holds on to that job I, you know I, I've never really been a Kellen Mond guy going back to Texas A&M mm-hmm. um you know I am not I'm not sure if he's going to be even an NFL QB 2 I'm I, I'm just not I don't love Sean Mannion as an NFL QB two either, but they <laughs> I was gonna
0: say like, you're kind of picking the best of the men, right?
1: Exactly. But yeah, you know, I, I think the thought there would be if cousins goes down, who knows the playbook better, who isn't going to make the debilitating mistake. And I think right now they they would say that that would be Mannion, but you know, the, that is not solidified, you know, in, in some of these preseason games. Those two guys are going to get heavy, heavy action there. Because, again, I, I I would guess that Kirk Cousins does not take one snap in any of the three preseason games. So we're going to see a lot of those two guys. And, and this is Kellen Monshot, shot, you know, to, to make a move in that competition. He's being given the opportunity.
2: Or do you kind of even feel like also like this start for Kellen Mond or I just maybe should I say appearance and in, in, against the Raiders on Sunday, like this is probably going to tell them an awful lot. Like even if it's against twos and threes, um, it kind of feels like for lack of a better word, it's like a do or die situation for Kellen Mond. If he wants to be the quarterback to, uh, to Kirk cousins in 2022.
1: It, yes, it, it for sure is. Yeah. You know, as far as the, is the backup thing and then the season long, that's where you're going to get the referendum on is he even worth the roster spot going forward? So you have like, like these two different things going on. But, I, yeah, I, I think the preseason is super important for him. The, the schemes are obviously different, um, you know, between this season and last season. And I think the new offensive scheme is a better fit for Kellen Mond's skill set. You know, it'll get him out on the edge a little bit more, bootlegs, you know, play action, stuff like that. Um, and, and I think it's going to benefit his game. He, he has that mobility aspect that Sean Mannion does not. Um, and at this point, he might have a stronger arm than Sean Mannion as well. But, yeah, you have to cut down the mistakes. So we'll see if if, if he can if he can cut down on those mistakes in the preseason.
0: I know all eyes are going to be on the offensive side of the ball for the Minnesota Vikings come this preseason game on Sunday against Vegas. But I want to talk about the defense, too. It looks like they've now shifted to a 3-4 base defense, which is a little bit different than your traditional, right? Um, and Armand Watts, who's in his final year of his contract, Earning a spot. What are your thoughts there on the kind of slight adjustments and tweaks? Again, that's something that can always change. You can go five three, whatever. But right now, three four bases is a little bit different than we've seen from the Vikings.
1: It, yeah, I mean, it's it's way different. It's 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 way it's it's just a different philosophy of you know de- defending an NFL or de- defending any offense. But you know you know a couple manifestations of it is in the past. You know you'd have your your two regular defensive tackles, and then you'd have your your edge rushers playing the defensive end spots. In the 3-4, you, you have bigger defensive linemen because they're used more. Um, you want you want to see some penetration for sure, but one of their huge jobs is occupying offensive linemen so that the four guys behind them can fly around and, and stuff like that. So, you know, this year it's going to be, you know, the three guys, it, they're going to be bigger, you know, in comparison. Um, you know, obviously Tomlinson, they signed Harrison Phillips for that. And then you mentioned and both those initial two guys are, are more like, you know, nose tackle, uh, pure defensive tackles, and then Armand Watts. He's always been sort of, you know, stuck between, you know, is he, is he a three technique, is he, is he a big edge, whatever. This system is going to be way better for him than the last one because the last one, he's sort of stuck between a couple different things, whereas in this one, he's a pretty prototypical 3-4 defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and that's, that's where he's getting the look. Um, th- right now on that depth chart, he is, he is considered the starter. Um, be interesting to see if he can lock that down um, coming up. The other two spots are totally locked down. Uh, Harrison Phillips has been doing great in camp. I, I think he's been everything that they have hoped for so far. Dalvin Tomlinson playing really well as well.
0: Harrison Phillips, Phillips, great unless you're Garrett Bradbury at camp. That's always <laughs> probably pretty fun. Uh, no, but I, yeah, you mentioned Watts. I think this is, and again, entering that contract year, he knows he has to show up, and this is going to be an awesome opportunity. I'm excited to see what he can really bring under this new defensive scheme.
1: For sure. Yeah. You know, and you get on the field more in a, in a system that better suits your talents. This is going to be his shot to shine. And, and, you know, again, he's one of those guys over the next three weeks to, you know, two, three weeks where he's going to get a shot to plan his flag and, and, and win that role for the season going forward. So we'll, we'll see how the rest of his camp goes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, again, looking back at that depth chart that was released, as you'd mentioned, Thor, it's the first one, but no real surprises other otherwise, really, for me. I mean, everything kind of seemed pretty prototypical of what we expected. Um, I do want to call you out, Thor. A lot of people not happy with your K.J. Osborne take from Monday. Would you like to defend yourself?
1: Why, why are they upset with my KJ Osborne take? I don't know.
0: I think they thought you were a little harsh on KJ.
1: Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I certainly didn't mean to be. Um, <laughs> like, I, I I like KJ Osborne. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, you guys know that I do a lot of NFL draft stuff for work, and he's a guy that went under my radar. You know, he's, played, he's outplayed what my expectations were for him for sure. Um, what you liked about him at, at Miami was, he, you know, he had the speed. And he was slippery, but I, I wondered if he had the ball skills for the NFL. I wondered if he had um, the play strength for the NFL because you could see a tendency of him to get knocked off of his routes. Um, last year, you know, he just sort of at least for me, sort of removed the scales from my eyes. I guess where he could be both you know a legitimate slot guy. He could also function on the outside uh, in the NFL and And what's interesting is, if you talk about last year's roster and who improved the most over the previous season. He would be KJ Osborne would absolutely be on your short list, if not at the very top of it. And then in camp, Arif you know, our, our buddy Arif said in his last thing that that KJ Osborne has improved the most in this camp from last season. So you're talking about a guy who is now, you know, significantly jumping forward. Seems like he is a legitimate NFL wide receiver three. Now I'd I i did not think I, I shot any strays his way last episode, but uh <laughs> if I did me a culpa to KJ Osborne.
0: Oh, there you go. See, we can all be friends, guys. Yes, uh, thank you for tuning in again. You're watching Before We Die on Purple Daily and Score North. I want to shift gears now a little. Well, actually, no. Before we shift gears, I want predictions. What are our predictions for Sunday in preseason game number one against Las Vegas at
1: 325? Oh, man. Um... I want full scores, too. I want
0: the scores (laughs) down down to the button.
1: Well, one one prediction is is you're not going to see the starters very much, um, and and I don't think you know fans shouldn't get their their hopes up too much as far as the outcome of the game. Because for O'Connell, I I think this one is just sorting through your your depth chart, and like I said, I, I think he's going to be pretty vanilla with it um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, uh, I, I did say the Vikings were going to win 12 games, so but I'll, I'll give them I'm going to give them a loss in this one to try to I'm going to predict a loss in their first preseason game.
0: Wow, that's, you have little faith.
1: Declan, what do you think? Uh, I would like
2: to see either some rookie step up. I'd like to see an Andrew Booth step up. I don't know how much Lewis Seen's going to play. If Scene's indeed, you know, second on the step chart, does he get a little bit more of a longer leash in this preseason opener to play some snaps and actually get in there and show that he's ready to play? You know, it, it, this is a luxury thing for the Vikings to have that they have Harrison Smith and Cam Bynum at safety. And I feel like there might be some fear mongering that starts with Vikings fans of like, hey, that's our first round pick. He's not even going to be a starter. He's not even going to be an immediate impact player, but he he was an awesome player at Georgia. I know Thor has a great, great scouting book on him too, but how big of an impact does he make immediately? What does Andrew Booth look like? And with Ed Ingram kind of sniffing around being the starting right guard in training camp practices, does right. he also get a lot of reps in this preseason? I, I, I'm excited to see which rookies type uh, make the biggest impact against the Raiders.
0: So are they winning?
2: I think they win. I think they win. I. You it,
0: score. In, in terms
2: of a score, I will say, let's see here. I will say 21-14. 21-14.
0: Ooh, we're looking low. All right. Low. All right. Yeah. I think the Vikings win as well, mostly because I don't have them winning 12 games throughout the regular season. So why not start off winning the preseason? I will say the Vikings win 28-21. to 21. Sure, we'll go. They win by a touchdown going to be a good game excited to watch them again 325 on Sunday against the Las Vegas let's move on to Kevin O'Connell who mentioned that he doesn't want to see any opposing fan jerseys at U.S. Bank Stadium which is awesome you love that fandom right I know us Minnesotans are like yeah he's on our side um realistically probably not going to happen right but how important obviously is it going to be especially game one against the Green Bay Packers to really get that sucker filled with the, uh, the purple and gold. I mean,
1: yeah, it's, it's important for sure. The atmosphere of your stadium is, is for sure important. You know, I, I do against the spread work uh, predominantly with college football, but you, you there, you know, I, I I have a different home field advantage number for all 131 teams because it's, it's different, right? There's size of stadiums, there's capacity, of stadiums, there's passion of the fan base. Some plays are just harder to play in than other ones. And it gives you, you know, I mean, it ain't gonna win the game for you. The the you know fifty thousand fans in the stadium ain't gonna win the game for you. But, um, it it can improve it a little bit. You know, with with the home field advantage behind you. So yeah, that's that's super important.
0: Do you think U.S. Bank is more daunting to play in than the Metrodome was? I mean historically they're very similar as far as winning percentage goes, but do you think there is a difference because U.S. Bank's shiny and new and it just has a different vibe than obviously the classic Metrodome, but do you think there's a difference there in uh, in arenas?
1: I think, I mean, Lisa, like I, I think it could eventually get there as far as that. Uh, the thing about the Metrodome was you had that rock hard playing surface that they played on and they would pipe in all that noise. And so, like, games where people were just going ballistic, like, you couldn't even hear yourself think. And I, I thought that was, a, a you know, a competitive advantage in the same way that it was for the Twins. Like, m- remember back in the day, they, they'd have, like, a guy, a speedster would just, like, you know, knock the ball on the ground and be, like, a high bouncer. And every single time, it would be a single or whatever. So, um, you, you know, th- there's ways to, you know, tilt t- your your home field into, a, you know, even more of an advantage for you. But, you know, l- like you mentioned, the, the, the records are fairly similar at both places, but, um, and, and I think that U.S. Bank eventually could get that same kind of order that the Dome used to have.
0: Right. Declan, I know you're kind of a baby, like, you know, the Dome, right? The oh, yes, the I know the Dome. Yes, yes. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm turning 30 this year, Jesse. I know I don't God. look like it, but yes, Yay. no, I, uh, I I do know the Dome well.
0: I mean, favorite moments. Anybody have favorite moments from the Dome? Favorite, is it football related or is it Twins related?
2: Uh, I've only, a uh, true story, I only saw one Vikings game at the Dome. I, it was uh, 2007. It was actually Dante Culpepper's return to the Metrodome wow. as a member of the Oakland Raiders. Um, that was the only game I believe I saw at the Dome. So most of my games were uh, were, were Twins games, cheap seats, up in the nosebleeds, yeah. seven bucks got you into a through a major league baseball game, which was awesome. Dollar Dome <laughs> dog days, um, yes. and there was something about—I don't know why—my friends and I still talk about it to this day. Fountain cokes at Metrodome's hit different. I I have yeah. no idea why there was something, like in th- they had like maybe the McDonald's straws or system because those fountain Coca Colas, man, hit especially <laughs> different as my in my teenage youth.
0: I like that. I I would agree. I've never seen a Vikings game there either. I did see a Gopher football game. At the dome when they had to play over there once upon a time, and I saw a ton of twins games. I also saw the Matamidai Zephyrs win state championships there in football. Go Zephyrs, uh, in case you guys didn't know, big Zephyr fan. Uh, Thor, do you have any good Vikings football? Give us something. We got one of the three of us has to have a Vikings memory.
1: I, think. I, I was hoping you weren't gonna say good. I do, I, I do have, <laughs> I, do have a, I do have a couple of different memories of, of though. The, the most distinct one, unfortunately, although it was it was cool to see in person, was. Um it was that game when the Vikings and the Falcons went into overtime and the the Falcons had Michael Vick. My my dad and I were sitting like 18 rows up behind uh the end zone that the the Falcons were were facing when they got sure. the ball in in overtime. And uh Vick goes, you know, drops back and then he started to run and when he got into the open field, my dad tugs my shirt and he goes, "We're going." And like pulls <laughs> me up. And and Vick proceeds to just run through everyone and then two of the Vikings, you know, it was like Keystone cops, they collided into each other in the air, trying to try to tackle them. And, and my dad and I were at the top and, and and beating the crowd out, you know, as he crossed the goal line. Um, th- that was a tough one. I, I have a different mem- a, a funnier mem- uh, Minnesota memory from, from the Metrodome not associated with the Vikings though. But back when I covered the twins for MLB.com, you, you, you guys remember the old baseball manager, Jim Leland? Oh yeah. 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 So, so Leland at the time, he was the manager of the Det- Detroit Tigers. And I, I think people might know this, but like he 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 had not been around for a little bit, so so maybe it's forgotten or maybe some people don't know. But Jim Leland was a chain smoker. Yeah. Um. Some like way back in the day, he would even do it like in the outfield if if the the stadium was open, you know, stuff like that. But in the Metrodome, it was obviously closed. Well, we we go in there on a on a Sunday before the game where they sort of in in this game. The reason I was covering the Tigers was because for MLB.com, I was an intern. If the opposing writer didn't come, then you became that team's beat writer for the the week or the weekend or whatever. So I was like the Tigers MLB.com beat writer uh, that weekend. So anyway, Leland calls us all into what what was this little teeny tiny matchbox of an office in the Metrodome. I mean, not good. Like whoever's listening to this, your office at home or or wherever you work was better than the the opposing (laughs) manager's offices at the Metrodome. Just this little teeny tiny thing. And so we all cram in there like sardines. And I was way up in front with, with Leland. But going back, you know, as camera people and stuff like that, literally shoulder to shoulder. Leland's sitting down at, at the little desk on the far side of the room. There's no windows in this room. You know, it's completely airtight. And, and he's like, all right, start, start with the questions. He lights his first cigarette. and He's just, smoke, you know, chain smoking it through. He gets done with that one, ashes it, lights up another one. He probably got through five different cigarettes during that media session. And, again, we were in the tiniest room you could possibly imagine, shoulder to shoulder. Walking out of there, it was like uh, it was like a, a clown car coming out of Snoop Dogg's car, basically, <laughs> with all the smoke that was coming out of that place.
0: Oh, I love it. I would love to hear your guys' Metrodome Vikings memories. That would be super fun. Drop them in the comments below or comment on our social media page. Uh, going back to U.S. Bank Stadium, though, and Kevin O'Connell's comment about loving the team, loving the fans, never seen opposing colors. I mean, do we care how much the fans do sell it out? Like for me, I think when fans get critical of a team or get critical of an empty arena, it's like, well, you're not buying the tickets. And Vikings tickets are a little bit pricey. Don't get me wrong, right? They're not the cheapest of things. But how much stock do we need to put into like, we need to support this team in order for them to be kind of that extra man out there on the field?
1: Well, you you got to sell it in the NFL. You know, I mean, it's, it's a bad sign when you're not, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, and, and the some of the passion comes from the success of the team. Um, you know, I think that started to become a problem with the last administration where, you know, if, if you were in the building, you know, I went to a couple games last year. that You'd start to hear the grumbling really early or yeah. else like, you know, if, if it was the second half and the Vikings were up by 10 and then it'd be a drive where it's like run on first and 10, run on second and <laughs> nine run on third and seven punch. And then the natives were getting really, really restless. That the energy of that building was not to where it was at the beginning of the Zimmer era. And now it seems to be back with O'Connell. You know, the, the most popular guy in town is always going to be the new coach. that hasn't coached a game yet. Yeah. And if he wins, the excitement is going to build and build and build. Um, you know, if he doesn't, it, it's not, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the energy of the building for sure is, is something that helps the team.
0: Right, Dex. What do you What do you think? I mean, do you think there's going to be a bigger fan presence because people are more excited about this new regime and what they could possibly do? I mean, they're going to win 12 games, according to Thor. So,
2: yeah, uh, be good. I, I think it is. It's It's honestly a pretty. Awesome NFL experience, you know. Um, I, I'm a big believer in NFL as a couch sport. Um, I, I love obviously waking up and rolling out of bed and watching football. And I was able to cover a lot of games at US Bank Stadium over the over the first four years it was open. And it is it's it's deafening in there. It's electrifying, and it definitely changes your perception of it being a traditional couch sport. Um, in terms of the fans coming out a little bit more, I think I think it is going to be a good thing. You know, if th- there was. There was that shock and awe when they were interviewing Jim Harbaugh, right, when when they potentially were maybe even going to hire him. And I do think in the short term, if it would have been Harbaugh, it would have probably even created a little bit more excitement. I think there would have been a big crash and burn if it was Harbaugh over, over O'Connell. But at least initial ac- excitement, it probably would have favored more towards Harbaugh and people would have been super excited to see him come out with like maybe purple khakis on, for God's sakes. Like I could totally <laughs> see him doing that. Um, but in general, I think, I think people are excited for this. Yeah. It's, it's most of the same team per se, but a different look and a different feel. And I think people are going to be packed inside of us bank stadium.
0: Well, and I feel like Justin Jefferson's going to really reach just another level. It's just this vibe I get from him. Right. I mean, he's already phenomenal. You already know he's going to be everything and more that the Vikings want, but he's coming in with an extra swag confidence this year that I think is just going to be absolutely phenomenal.
1: Thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, he, he's getting better and better and better. And then he's another guy where the scheme and the philosophy and the offensive strategy is really going to help him. He's the bell cow of the offense for mm-hmm. now, right? Like for Zimmer, it was Dalvin Cook or, you know, the, the running game. Um, O'Connell, McVabe, those guys, Shanahan, they, they do it a little bit differently. And O'Connell wants to pass to set up the run um Jefferson you're you're seeing him all over the formation they've already seen this in in practice and then doing all sorts of fun stuff that you didn't see as much with the previous regime creative ways to get the ball into his hands right like you know Shanahan did this with uh, Debo Samuel you know he Mm -hmm. he was one of the first guys that, that was starting to give the the wide receivers more touches out of the backfield and now we've seen in practice they're doing that with Jefferson he's he's getting some of the jet sweeps fly sweeps Getting handed off a little bit, moving around in the backfield, the shifts, everything like that—they are going to find ways to get him touches. You don't have to manufacture touches for Justin Jefferson because he—he creates separation from a cornerback like the three of us breathe. It is the—he—he he rolls out of bed creating separation, so you, you don't necessarily have to do it. But you also want the ball in that guy's hands as much as humanly possible. And I, I think that the difference between this staff and the last one is they're going to get him the ball. as they're—they're going to feed him as much as you—you he, he, know, as much as he can eat, basically.
0: Right, exactly. I think he's the player that I'm most excited about. Again, going back to that depth chart that we talked about, Adam Thielen, obviously the other receiver, and KJ Osborne being number three. But then it gets a little dicey after that as far as backups go. A surprise, Jalen Naylor. What is your take on him, Thor, and, and Declan, and and do we think that we'll, he'll see some significant time this year, potentially, especially if injuries mount?
1: Yeah, the fact that there's been really positive camp reports for him is is a really good sign for for Naylor, both in terms of making. Uh, the initial roster, but also potentially having um, a role, and I think in year one he can have a situational role, and it's as an outside pop the top boundary guy. He he's not like you know some some slot guys are like you know shifty kind of guys like that that can get open in the short to intermediate uh, sector. Um, you know, like a, a, I guess maybe like a Kadarius Tony. You could think about it like Naylor tested fairly similarly to to Tony, but his utility is on the outside. Threatening the defense with his speed down the field, he can make plays right. down the field that a guy like uh, Kadarius Tony would not be able to. It'll be interesting to see if the you know we, we've heard I, I think it was a reef um, maybe it was Clausen um, some of our past guests had mentioned that um, they're 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 experimenting with Jefferson in the slot, maybe Thielen's been in the slot a little bit. But if you do that, then there's got to be another guy on the outside. Um, you know, Osborne uh, ostensibly could be that. But Naylor is more of that, um, the pure pop to top kind of a guy. I, you know, right. I, I don't know if he can get on the field initially, but th- that's super exciting. And then, you know, as far as the rest of the receiver depth chart, it seems like everyone's having a good camp. You know, th- it's, it's at other positions where guys are struggling, but you know, you're only hearing great things about Jefferson. You're only hearing good things about Thielen. You're hearing awesome things about KJ Osborne. He's, he's one of the stars of, of camp so far. Um, feels like Amir Smith-Marset is having a really good camp as well. Naylor has been, you know, the, the eye-opening rookie that was that taken later among the the UDFAs. And then even, like, you know, BC Johnson hasn't had any, like, of the, the high highs. But mm-hmm. what he gives you, it's more of, like, cost certainty. You get a higher floor, and you get consistency. Like, every he, he runs the correct routes. He's going to catch the ball if it hits him on the hands. Maybe not super creative after the catch or productive like that, but, like, he's going to bring those in. Um, so, so you've seen, you know, some of that stuff. I, I think the receiving depth—it's something that that we haven't enjoyed as Vikings fans for a really long time, and I think they're about to have that again.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes I just watch Randy Moss highlights to remember <laughs> what it was like. It's it's glorious, guys. But we could—we're on the cusp of that, I think. Right?
1: Think so? Yeah. Yeah. There Abs- we go. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, the Vikings, in terms of their top two, it's right near the top of the league, if not the top of the league. And Osborne now feels like, again, he feels like a legitimate NFL wide receiver three, maybe even becomes an above average one this coming season with, with O'Connell and the new scheme and everything. And then the two young guys that projected four and five, they're, they have shown a lot of promise uh, this year. So I, I, I think it's great.
0: Again, we'll get to see them in action on Sunday, three twenty-five against Las Vegas. Uh, first preseason game of the year. You're watching before we die on Purple Daily and Score North. I'm Jesse Pierce. He's Thor Nyström. Dex is filling in for Ross, our normal producer. We appreciate you having on, Declan. Wasn't this fun? Is this like your new favorite? Purple it is. Daily show?
2: It is. You know, I was, yeah. I was, I was like what third? I was QB three basically coming into this, and now I really <laughs> like my chance to be QB one by the end.
0: You know Ross did make us promise to not have you overtake him but maybe who knows we'll see we'll sorry, just Ross. have to see Dateline, have to tune in Monday CFL yeah. I'm
2: sorry Ross I I'm sorry I'm taking it
0: You'll have to tune in Monday to see who our producer is that week. Maybe Judd hops on who knows, <laughs> but again, thank you everybody for tuning in, checking us out. We're still in our infancy. We're growing, but we want to bring you some unique Vikings takes each and every week, Mondays and Thursdays. Don't forget to hit subscribe to all purple daily content. We're not the only new show Randy's rants, where I believe you can see Declan frequently on there as well. So be sure to subscribe to all of that. Thank you for checking us out and uh school Vikes. Have a good one.